For those of you who are visiting with us, we are studying for our summer series, Psalms 120 to Psalm 134. And these psalms are known as Psalms of Ascent. Theologians and scholars have tried to determine what is the precise meaning of the word ascent. Uh, and, and I have sided with those who understand the meaning to be going up. Uh, the, when uh, the, psalm, the psalm was read this morning, we heard about Jerusalem, where the journey was taking them to worship. And if you have been to Israel, you will know that when you're going to Israel, when you're going to Jerusalem, you always go up. And when you're going from Jerusalem, you always go down. And I feel that this psalm is speaking of that ascent, going up to uh, Jerusalem. Now, when I chose these um, psalms for the year, um, for the summer, I thought I would just breeze through them. I'll just say a few words. Well, I'm going to tell you, that's easier said than done. <laughs> because what we have in each psalm is the experience of the journey that had been experienced by those who were on that journey. Psalm 120 begins with preparing for the journey, realizing that when we begin our spiritual journey, our spiritual walk, it always, uh, I was reading it this morning in my own quiet time, Paul said to the Thessalonians, I wanted to come to you, but Satan stopped me. And I, I paused in that for a moment, that, that there are times when Satan tries to intercept what God is doing. And if we're not prepared for that, we are, we are shocked and surprised on the journey. But Psalm 121 talks not about what happens to me on the journey from external forces. Psalm 121 talks about what happens to me personally, experiences that I have within myself, things that I did not plan to happen. The sun smites you by day and the moon by night, needing the Lord to protect us from all evil. And, and I think I mentioned it, the word evil in the Bible has about 14 different connotations. There's the evil of suffering. There's, there's a, the, the evil of sickness. There's the evil of wrong being done. And all of that can happen to us on this journey that we're taking. And everyone is on a journey. You might, I think, well, I, think I understand that today our illustrious Gwen takes a journey from here to Alaska. So we'll miss her for the next two weeks or three weeks. Well, keep her back in Alaska for another day. She's, she's, she's going to have to recover before she comes back to us. That's what's <laughs> going to happen. Uh, but I understand it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, experience. I've heard others talk about it, and I have never been on it, but I know that those who have been there have talked about how beautiful it is. A journey. There's a physical, spiritual, material journey that we are on. And some, whoever you are, you're on a journey. Now we come to Psalm 122. 
And Psalm 122 is the journey to the place of worship. We are going to go to church. <laughs> I, I have to smile about that because Friday night we had our family night and we had the video of um, Ken Davis, the Christian comedian. And, and he's saying, and, and I had finished my preparation before Friday night, so I'm not copying what Ken said. I have exactly what he said in, in my, let me tell you what I have here. That at no time is Satan more aware of what he can do to us than when we're getting ready for church. And, and that's exactly what Ken Davis said. He said, sometimes when you're getting ready for church, the kid's not moving as he ought to move. He's slower than molasses in January, so to speak. And you go to the kid and said, we've got to go to church. Get up. We've got to go to worship. Well, who wants to go to worship after that? I, I ask you, what happened this morning on the way here? Sometimes there are silence that's beautiful. And other times, there are silence. <laughs> Ain't beautiful. The journey. I titled this message this morning, Enjoying the Journey. Listen to what the psalmist said. Verse 1. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I was glad. I, I want you to note some thoughts from this that I've gathered sitting at this text. Notice the invitee. Those who said. It, it is said, they. And the question, who are they? Have you ever heard people say that? They said. They say. And you've never been able to identify who said it. But they said it. While we're not able to identify who is saying it here, we're looking at what they're saying. And I want you to draw from this two very important truths. We know that they're on their way to the house of the Lord. The text tells us. It is said that David wrote this. It may be, it may not be. But it is here. But those who were on their way said to someone else, come with us. We are going to the house of the Lord. Now, if you had said that to someone this week, how do you think they would have responded? The person with whom you work, how would they have responded? Come with me. Come with me to church on Sunday. And they probably look at you and say, are you kidding me? Let me tell you what happens here. What they experience in church, because you see now they're on the journey. Please keep that in mind. They're on the journey. They're not there as yet. They were there last weekend, if you please. And what they experienced last week was staying with them. Monday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And as it as they were getting closer to Sunday, or to Saturday as the case may be, the heart was beginning to beat more forcefully 
Sunday is coming. Saturday is coming. I am going to be at the place where last Saturday I experienced things that, that caused me to rejoice, to experience a sense of excitement. And now I don't know whether the one they're inviting was not planning to. But they didn't want him to miss what they were experiencing. They did not forget church between services. On the journey, they were still experiencing the residue, if you please, of what they had experienced, and they wanted to share this. Listen, friends. We will invite people to join us on Sunday when we are excited about the reason we are going. When our own hearts are bubbling over with the excitement of being there, we will say to others, I want you to experience what I have been experiencing. The joy was enduring. It, it, it was, you know, in the 1970s when the hippies and this, the, the beatniks and so on were around, uh, there used, used to be uh, as when the churches were going through uh, a great difficulty, <laughs> it used to be said, Oh, to live with saints above, that will be glory. But to live with some saints below, that's another story. We don't want that to happen, friends. We don't want that to be said of us. We don't want people to say, I've got to go to endure another hour And sometimes I wish it wasn't that long. When studying studying with this text, I I came across St. Paul preaching on the Lord's Day, and it was an evening service, and he preached so long that a young fellow fell asleep at the windows and dropped out of the wind, and I thought, I'm glad we don't have windows. (laughs) Nobody will fall out. But just imagine how often, my friends, We go to church, and it doesn't affect our emotions. It affects our head because we critique what is being said. We evaluate if we agree or not. If it challenges us in a place that we don't want to be challenged, we're able to have our minds shift to something else, but not so. We're going to the house of the Lord. Come with me. When you miss people who are not here, Are you willing to call them and say, listen, things are happening in my life in the house of the Lord. I I don't want you to miss it. Come. So there's the invitee. Joy and experience that's enduring. But listen, secondly, there was joy and experience that was worth sharing. They wanted others to know it because it was real It was not an opinion they had about the house of the Lord. It is what happens to them when they are there, when they minister to the Lord and the Holy Spirit speaks to them and he whispers to them things that are so beyond senses but as real as our eyes, our hands, and our ears can see and taste and touch. Experience in church that's enduring, experience in church that's enjoying. I want others to share it with me. I don't want to keep this 
to myself. How thankful we are to, we should be to the they said. Secondly, let's look at the invited. The invitee was experiencing the joy and the journey. Thursday, they still wanted to be in the house of the Lord. Friday, they still wanted to be, and Satan was not, get in their, was not about to get in their way. Look at the invited. Look at his response. I was glad. Glad to feel a sense of cheerfulness. You know, two years ago, I went back to Belize where I was born for the first time in 50 years. I'd never been back since I left back in the 60s. And I learned that summer that my daughter, who is living in, in Albany with her husband, pastor and wife there, they were going to be there as well on a missions trip. We left the day before Christmas. They came after the, the, day, of, the day of Christmas. And so we were there to greet them. And, and it was an amazing feeling. Here's Lois and I, standing at the airport, waiting. And people were coming off the plane and coming through the... Uh, I, I should tell you this. This is free. This is not in the text here. <laughs> Lois and I are standing in line. And a fellow walked up and he said, any, any, any Belizean person? And Lois said, yes, my husband was born in Belize. I thought, oh, my word. So I, I stood there and he said, you were? I said, yes, sir, I was. He said, come in front of the line. I still haven't thanked my wife for that, but that's it. <laughs> That there was a sense of excitement. And so we're looking. And then we saw Heather. I mean, we see her almost every two weeks when we go to Albany to be with them or they come to us. But there was a special sense of gladness. I am greeting my daughter on the soil on which I was born. There was an excitement about that. The psalmist said, I was glad. He hadn't even reached the church place the location of the synagogue. He said, I'm so excited about that because what they had told, her, told him, the spirit with which they had told him was beginning to affect him. Uh, listen, listen to this. Psalm 9-2. I will be glad and exalt in thee. I will sing praises to thy name, O Most High. Psalm 86 verse 4. Make glad the soul of thy servant, for to thee I lift up my soul. Oh, dear friends, do you look forward to what, and, and, and I tell you, there needs to be a real caution here because it is possible that people invite us to enjoy what they're enjoying, and when you come, you don't. And you've got to examine your heart as, why can't I see what they're seeing? Why can't I feel what they're feeling? Please listen closely, friends. If you do not experience gladness in the house of God, don't blame the house of God. Ask yourself the question, why not? I'll tell you why. 
Because most of the times, most of the times, as someone said, when you, when you make application like this, you stop preaching and you begin to meddle. When we are not glad at home, we will not be glad at church. What I, what I mean by that is simply this. If my attitude about the church is negative in the home, it will be negative in the church. So, so, so they, whoever they were, were not focusing on that. When they went to the house of the Lord, taken from Psalm 27, they went in to inquire of the Lord and to behold His beauty. That's why we were singing this morning, Beautiful one I adore. Beautiful one I love. Because, my friends, we are not inviting people to come to share a course on philosophy. We're not coming to share about human principles which to live. We're coming for an encounter where it is the house of the Lord. And if it's the house of the Lord, then what I want is to meet the Lord in his house. See, not simply come. So let's look quickly at the location. The location. We, we have looked at the invitation now. We look at the location. Verses 1 and 4. The description, it is the house of the Lord. Before the temple or the synagogue, there was the tabernacle. And the tabernacle in 1 Samuel 1, Samuel 1 7 and verse 24, in 2 Samuel 12 20, the tabernacle is called the house of the Lord. So that place was there because God told them to meet him there. He designated that place. You may not sacrifice the Passover within any other gates which the Lord your God gives you, but at the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. There you shall offer the sacrifice of the Passover over twilight at the going down of the sun at the time you come out of Egypt. What is saying? Now, now again, dear friends, People will say to me, I can worship God anywhere. That is true. We can worship God anywhere. But this text tells me that there is a place that is designed by God where you may worship Him anywhere, but He does not meet with you anywhere. I, I can worship God anywhere, but that does not mean that God is meeting with me where I choose to worship Him. He said it. In Exodus 25 to 29, Moses was given the instruction to build a tabernacle and God said, there I will meet with you. And if you look at the tribes of Israel, when some of the tribes decided to build an altar some other place, they had that altar, but they did not have God. What is said about the place where God, God's people meet? Listen. In Psalm 73, David, or the psalmist, not David, written by another psalmist, is going through a difficult time. He's looking at the world, and he's seeing the inequalities of the world, the injustices of the world. He's seeing where those who are wicked seem to prosper, and those who are not wicked seem to, you know, he said, I suffer difficulties every day, and those who don't have any concern for God seem to be going through life without any pain. He said, and when I thought upon this, it became so disturbing to me. Listen to what the psalmist said. I would not even express what I was thinking because if any of God's children 
would hear what I'm thinking, they would be embarrassed. That's what the psalmist said. So he kept it all to himself until I went in to the house of the Lord. You, my friends, could go through the week and there are tremendous pressures, pain, difficulties, defeat, discouragement. And you might try to understand it and nothing makes sense and you come in to the house of the Lord and the man who has opened God's word in the week to prepare for the end of the week opens the word and says something and all of a sudden the answer comes. Because God has promised to meet us in the place he has designed. The description. Look at the function. The function. The function, and, and by the way, I will deal with Jerusalem next week. This is what I mean by the text now. is going to take on two weeks instead of one. Look, if you please, in, in verse 4. To which the tribes go up, even the tribes of the Lord, an ordinance for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Here is purpose. Here is mission. Here, my friends, is divine destiny. The location is the house of the Lord. What happens there? There, the tribes of the Lord, the tribes of the Lord, all 12 tribes, they go up. Now they're moving from the lower slope and they're going up to Jerusalem. And they go up as a tribe. They go up as 12 different tribes, but as one company. In the house of the Lord, we function diversity in unity. The tribes go up. Each tribe has its own uniqueness, but that uniqueness is dissolved when they go up to the house of the Lord. Because in the house of the Lord, it's not about the tribe. It's about the Lord. One thing have I desired, says the psalmist, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that I may behold the beauty of the Lord and in the house of the Lord to inquire about him. This is, this is so essential. You know, you know what a beautiful church is, friends? I, I, I'm... I'm Counseling with someone who's not a part of this, this fellowship here, but count my, my counsel worthy of, of asking me uh, for it. And, and this person said, I attend a church where there are, this person said, I am 50 years old. <laughs> and, and they said, I attend a church where there are lots of younger people and I feel like an old fogey at 50. And then some other people attend church where there's so many old people you get sick just being there. <laughs> I want you to listen, my friends. Please listen. The balanced church is the beautiful church. Listen to Titus chapter 2, verses 2 to 5. When the tribes, when the tribes go up. But as for you, Paul talking to Titus, the things which are proper for sound doctrine... Let the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, 
in love and patience. Let the older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober. Do you get it? Old men, young men, older women, young women. See, just as the body could not function with just hands, neither can the church function with just older people or younger people. When we come together, we come together as the tribe of the Lord. And when the tribe of the Lord are controlled by the truth of the word, then my friends, we function in a way that Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. I shared in my class this morning that we, 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 we burden ourselves to try and make a good impression upon people outside the church when we should be burdening ourselves to make a good impression on people in the church. I, 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 I have been through this situation. I mentioned some of this to you, not personally, but where, where church was having a service and they had to call the police. Can you imagine that? The tribes went up for war. They didn't go up for the body to function. Listen to what God says. You are to go up to the place that I have designed. And when you are there three times, in fact, may I just say three times, and I'll bring this out next week. Three times a year they were to go up, fathers and sons. And they were to take care of their life before God. And when the Lord spoke to them, when they come back together, they come as a unit, not as individuals. This is how we should function. Because the world is waiting. Listen, what is the biggest word in the world right now? Isn't it how to function with one another in a diverse culture? Do we not hear that every day? Do we not have seminars as to how we should treat people who are supposed to be different? <laughs> oh boy. I, I, I got a call. I, call, I got a call from uh, one of these um, organizations that does surveys. I had gone to, to, to a bank. And um, so they gave my name, which I didn't give them the right to do, but they gave my name to this company, and this company called me. And they said, uh, Winston Thurton? I said, yes. And uh, they said, um, did you go to the bank on the such and such a day? And so I said, yes. Do you mind if we ask you a few questions? I almost sighed. I thought, no, go ahead and answer. Go ahead. So they started to ask me, and they asked all those wonderful questions, you know. Then they said, if, if, if you don't want to answer this question, you don't have to. Can you tell me if you are Caucasian, Indian, or African-American? 
And I said, none of the above. <laughs> I said, I am from Canada, and I am black. Ah, uh, okay, thank you so much. <laughs> My friends, nothing is more beautiful to God and the world as when diversity exists in unity. And when we do not focus upon our distinction, but upon him. Bind hand nor brothers of God, whatever your race may be, because he who worship God in truth is surely kin to me. We function in unity. We, we, we will not make an impact on the world if the church behaves like the world. Let me quickly close the celebration. The celebration. We saw the invitation. And then we got to the location, what happens there. And now quickly the celebration. Verse 4 again. To which the tribes of, go up, even the tribes of Israel, an ordinance of the Lord. It was, it was ordained by God for them to do that. Quickly, look at this celebration. What were they celebrating? One, the standard of their celebration. The standard. It came from God. Some of your translation says a testimony of Israel. The word testimony is precisely the same word in the Hebrew. That, that when we come together, we come together because God says we are to do so. We, we didn't choose Sunday for the fun of it. The Lord's day was designed for us to celebrate something particular having to do with those who belong to God. And God said to Israel, three times a year you should go up to the place that I have designed. Not your choice, but my choice. My place. And, and Hebrews 10.25, God takes it so seriously, he admonished, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves because I can say to you in the company of believers what I will not say to you individually. That's all I would say for that. I want you to see the substance of their celebration. The standards was the standards God gave, but it was this, the, 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 the substance. Look at what they did when they come to the house of the Lord. To give thanks to the name of the Lord. When they came, it was to give thanks to the name. The goal was clear. It had to do with my attitude toward God's revelation. And in the house of the Lord, he is the center of activity. The angels, if you please, Ephesians 3.10. Now, because of time, I want to suggest to you that in the Old Testament, name is not just a designation for someone. In the Old Testament, name was based on faith or revelation. In the name of the Lord, it's revelation. It says something about God. I, was, I, I think before I went to bed last night, I was thinking of this text. And I'm thinking, you know, I used to hate the name Winston. I, I thought there was, there was no, there isn't, you know, my son's name is Christopher. And they could call him Chris. What can you do with Winston? You know, nothing. But I'm going to tell you, 
when I see some of the names of the basketball players, I am glad for Winston. <laughs> oh, my word, when I see some of those names, kawaii, oh, wow. When we see the name of God, my friends, there are three things, and I'll be brief with them, three things that name reveals about God. So when they were going up to the house of the Lord to give thanks to his name, it means that their hearts had come to the realization of who God is. Number one, name speaks of existence. The house of the Lord, the word Lord, comes from our word, what we use our word Jehovah, which comes from, you'll find the etymology of this in Exodus chapter 3 and 4, where God said to Moses, I am. The word there is to exist, is to exist. When you see that word Lord, the covenant game, name of God, he's revealing himself to you as one who has the oxygen that you need to breathe. The oxygen you need to live. When you go to bed at night, he gives you oxygen so that you can breathe and wake up in the morning. They're going to praise God for his existence. Acts chapter 17, 28, in him we live and move and have our existence. You are here this morning, friends, because God has given you life. You are here because God has given you breath. And just imagine that it is possible for us to leave this place and, and say anything but what God has said. Name speaks of existence. Name speaks of character. God said, I am holy. Holy is his name. When, when, we, come, when we come to God's place, my friends, we must, we must hear something about God that is not true of us, that is not true of any other person. Moral character, ethical purity is found only in the character of God. And if we do not take the character of God seriously, we will not take our behavior seriously. That's why he gave us the Ten Commandments, so that we know how to live and relate life to him and know how we live to relate life to one another. Character. What is it that makes you live the way you do? It is because I have been exposed to the character of God. I have proclaimed good news of righteousness in the great congregation. Indeed, I do not refrain my lips, O Lord. You know that. I have not hidden your righteousness in my heart. I have declared your faithfulness, your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from any generation. In other words, my friends, because of what that name is, that's what you declare. Character. The standard for my behavior is not found in this place. It is found in the one we come to meet in this place. And lastly... God's name reveals his reputation. I love this. It reveals his reputation. I'll skip a verse I have here and go to the verse I want, with which I want to end. Listen, listen to Malachi chapter 3 and verse 16. Malachi 3 and 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another 
And the Lord gave attention and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him. You know, I tell you a mistake I've made with this verse before. I used to say that God is writing the conversation that we have about him, but the text doesn't say that. He says, a book was written before him. So he is dictating what he hears to the angels. And angels are recording what you and I speak about privately when we are together about God. About God. Would it surprise you if I tell you that there are ministers that I can talk about God with them? Because they want to talk about what's the latest craze going on in the church. They've made a, I was at a minister's meeting. You know what the conversation was about? That they now have theater seats in the church and that they have a cafeteria or whatever they have in the, in the foyer. That's what they were talking about. I sat there. I thought, are you kidding me? We're supposed to be ministers who talk one to another about God. God ought to hear about his fame from us. We need to be talking about God in a way that says, God says, he's right. He's boasting about me. That's what Paul said. When we speak of the name of God, my friends, we're talking about his reputation, not ours. And we say to people, had it not been for the Lord, I would have been consumed. Can you imagine I think of people in the world today that face difficulties in life. Where do they go? How do they deal with the unequally experiences of life they face? G.K. Chesterton has a line which I love. He said, whenever people face difficulty, the tendency is to turn away from God, but in God's name to wear where? Those who fear the Lord spoke about Him. God is so good. God is so good. God is so gracious. With Him is loving kindness. And I pour forth what I learn about God from His Word and in my experience. We used to sing a song when I was a kid after I became a Christian. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before now, that might not be true altogether, but I'm going to tell you what is true. That every day with Jesus, we know that he is there no matter what. No matter what. We're able to say, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord, my friends. And I'm trusting that if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior today, that you are glad you came and you will make others know that you are glad. And if you look around, and see some of your missing members, call them and say, I want you to know, I want you to experience what God is doing at church. If you do not know Christ as Savior, this is how the journey begins. It begins by you realizing that you're a sinner and that Jesus Christ died for your sins. And on the cross, we hear him say, Father, forgive them. And he wants to forgive you. And if we can be of help to you as to how you can begin this journey with others, we invite you to speak with one of us we shall be happy to relate to you how it is done. Let us pray. Take a moment, friends, just to reflect upon what you have heard this morning. 
Has God spoken to you? Then respond. Respond to what he says. Not to what I say, but what he says. Now, Father, seal the decisions that have been made for those who might still be struggling. Be patient with them and bring them to a place of rest in you. Whatever you have accomplished, Lord, through the ministry of your word today, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.